Welcome to Real Estate Unscripted, where each week we connect no-nonsense, let's-get-it-done realtors and lenders from across the country who want to grow our businesses and stay motivated with timely topics and experts in our field. I'm your host, Marjorie Adam. Let's get started. Welcome, everybody. So I am so excited to have today a special guest, Daniel Thornton. Daniel, say hi. Hi. So Daniel is a financial advisor and even more importantly, my financial advisor. And let me just tell you, he's still here, which is saying something because as we can all imagine, realtors and financial advisors, whoop, we are not your easiest clients. I've heard there are harder, but man, I know we are not easy. So thank you so much for being here today. Of course. So we are going to talk about where we should be putting money, saving money, the things that we do wrong, which there are several. And this is not to make anyone feel bad. So anyone listening today, I want you to sit back and say, I'm going to own it. This is me too. I'm not going to feel bad about it, right? I'm going to think about where I am or I'm celebrating because I've done such a good job. But realtors notoriously bad savers as a group, right? Not all of us, of course, but a lot of us and sort of procrastinator savers. Hey, next year will be better. So it's just something that I think is super important. And especially with the market now, timely that we really talk about this. So Daniel, you've been a financial advisor for 22 years. Right. Also, I've been a realtor 27 years. So we're like the OGs. And you've gone from working for a great firm to opening your firm in December 2020. So tell us why did you open your own firm? It came down to I just wanted to have a little bit more freedom to advise on things that weren't inside of the corporate structure where I was or that there were solutions that were outside of that firm that I wasn't allowed to talk about because they were outside. Yeah, that's great, right? Being able to really advise us on what we need independently of restrictions, of course, although and I don't mean like send us to jail restrictions. I mean, like within a boundary that you can say, hey, this is also a great framework or product yeah. for you, I think is important to your clients. And I know we appreciate it. So we're super excited for you. And you get the joy of working with lenders and realtors as well as all professions. Today, of course, we're going to start talking about the lenders and realtors. So not to start off with what we do wrong, but we're going to really start off with some things that some realtors... Marjorie included in the past and potentially now don't do as well. And then we're going to work on fixing them. So one of the biggest ones is we don't save enough money. Why do you think that is? Well, part of it is just your pay structure is sporadic and sometimes it's terrific and then it gets really dry. So it feels like it goes from the spigots wide open to survive in advance. And it's hard to have a pattern or a discipline when it's wide open or non-existent. We would recommend trying to figure out some sort of discipline way to say. Yeah, discipline's the word. So I think the thing is as a 1099, we got into real estate. Oh, the funniest was flexible hours, which is comical. I work when I want, not so much. And also freedom, right? No boss and this lack of discipline. And so financially also, we take classes to learn what a riparian right is, which we never will use again. So they don't really teach you on the financials. There is no budget class. There is no profit and loss class, right? You're expected to figure this out. Frankly, you didn't learn in high school. You didn't learn in college. Now you're a business owner, yay, with no business degree, right? And you got to start spending money. So I think one of the things we're going to talk about too is the tools, right? Our best suited tools that we're going to talk about for retirement plans. Because unfortunately, too often you see people who are realtors way longer than they want to be or would hope to be because of retirement, right? Not enough savings. Now, some people just love it and want to do it forever. That's great, but that's not always the case. So I think if we can work with them on some really suited plans. Now, we're going to be very cautious because unless they sit down with you, for example, you 
don't know. Or does their spouse do a different job? Are they an S core, a C core, an LLC, right? Are they sole proprietor? We're going to just give some information based on kind of the middle. And then they need to reach out to their Daniel, right? Like their little Yoda of finance, and they're going to get advised on what they need to do. So another mistake we're going to start with, actually, that I think is absolutely true that you mentioned is concentrated investments. But let's talk about what are those? Yeah. As you said, this is certainly not everybody and it's not a blanket criticism at all. But my experience says that a whole lot of people who deal with real estate for a profession end up investing almost solely in real estate. And I'm not here to tell you you can't make a lot of money in real estate because you can. The liquidity is an issue. And so our advice is let's make sure we have investments that you can get in an hour if you need to, not borrow more money against or hope it sells in 90 days. So we need to make sure we are diversified in your investment approach. Have things you know, for sure, but also have things that are liquid. And I think that is true because it is, we say, oh, that's a great deal. And that might be true. And then you do a 1031 and you're like, oh, I'm going to lose a lot of money to taxes, right? So I think that you really got to be clear as well as on your investments and when do you sell them and what do you end up with? And I think there's a lot to it, but you said a sentence earlier when we were talking, you said, look, if it goes bad, it goes really, really bad. And it's true. Right. So in real estate, you get a great deal, but you borrow money to do it almost all the time. So if things go badly, let's just use 08 as an example, because if you've been a realtor anytime, you know, it went really badly. So if you're leveraged and the value of your asset that you've leveraged gone down and you need money and you can't sell it, you're making payments on something that's losing money if you're fortunate to make payments on it. It's one thing to lose all your money. It's another thing to lose all of your money and then money you owe someone else additional. And that's where it's a great way to make a lot of money, but it's a terrific way to lose a lot of money too. So it's balance, right? We talked yeah, about leverage and balance. In our late, the stock market lost a lot of money, but I could get you all of your money in five minutes. It's just a different animal. And diversification helps alleviate the risk overall. When you add a riskier asset than another one, you actually may reduce your overall risk. Yep. So diversification. So we got to have some money in real estate, but as well as in savings and retirement plans. So we're going to talk about some savings. I think that's so I coach realtors across the country. You, of course, advise people on their money and savings is the biggest thing. And I think it's this kind of never ending cycle, right? Where you start in real estate, you don't make a lot of money. You are still spending money because you still have to spend money. You got to buy signs right. and lock boxes and ads and websites and all these things. And then you make a little money and then it's like, oh, that's nice. But then you can't really save because... Again, you have a couple bad months. So I think that kind of cycle gets in. And then realtors are notoriously bad at paying their taxes, which is amazing. But again, it's not optional, right? The IRS will find you, I can promise you, and they will not leave you alone. So I think this kind of vicious cycle of we're also don't get taxes taken out and then, uh-oh, it's tax time. And I can't believe I owe that. And meanwhile, a couple of bad months and I end up in credit card debt. So some basics. We're going to start with the ultimate goal, right? So when we're coaching people, we do a profit and loss, which unfortunately too many realtors don't do. That's another class. Profit and loss, your personal budget. So in an ideal world, when we coach them, we want them to have at least three months of savings, right? So basically, yeah. if it costs you $10,000 a month to run your real estate business, we want you to have in your business, should be separate, business account, personal account, in your business account, 30,000. And if it costs you 10,000 a month at home, at home, 30,000. Now I can't, let's just be blunt. I can't poop out $60,000. It's not just going to like the little money fairy chipmunk is not showing up in my house. So, right. and it ultimately you even said six, right? If you can get to six months, that's even better. 
Yeah, I mean, I, my practice typically says if you work for the government and your job's really safe and consistent, then three months is fine. But the people we're talking to today, it probably comes in spits and spurts, as they say. And since you don't know when your next check is coming, a little bit longer would probably be a good idea. Yeah. So between three and six. And so, yeah. so a lot of people listening are going to be like, that's nice. I also have a lot of debt. So let's talk about this because yeah. I think ultimately, again, taking a step back, having your clear personal budget, what does it really cost you? And then having a clear profit and loss. And I will tell you from everyone I coached the first time students, whatever number they tell me is wrong. It's always wrong. It tends to be that costs them a lot more. So we kind of pad it a little bit. And then when we start collecting, it's still off. So starting there, but let's just assume right now we're going to talk about some debts. Let's give someone a plan. So let's talk about a plan to pay off debt. What's a basic plan on credit card debt that you recommend? Yeah. The first thing is you've got to get to a spot where you're like, that's enough. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm going to have a better balance sheet. I'm going to enjoy my life differently. I'm going to sleep better, all those things. You got to get to there. And if you get there, then this will work. You need a little bit of money in a savings account that you can access if you need it. So the car didn't start this morning. I got to get it towed to the shop and get to work. So we need a thousand, two, three, whatever that is for your life, a little bit of money in a savings account that you can grab if you need it. And after that, it's time to like aggressively pay off cards. There's all kinds of ways. You stack them up, you got three cards and one you owe a thousand and one you owe five and one you owe 10, but you pay off the small one first so that you feel accomplished and get momentum. And then you take the payments that you were paying on the first one and pay it on the second one. And that speeds that up. I think Dave Ramsey calls it the debt snowball or something. So that works. This is anti-Dave Ramsey. So there are programs where you can get a personal loan as well out there in different companies. And it works as long as you're at that spot that I talked about at the beginning. You get a $30,000 personal loan. They set you up for monthly payments. Your interest rates somewhere between 8 and 11 instead of 19 to 30. And it's simple interest. So you're actually paying 90% on principal every month. Let's say again, they send you $30,000. You pay off all your credit cards and you put them away and don't use them anymore. And then you pay off that debt. And if you can pay more than the minimum payment, then do it. If you have an amazing month where you sell 10 times what you normally do, and you can write a check for the whole 30 grand afterwards, do it. And it's gone. There's no prepayments or any problem like that. Some people don't love that. It's work for people that I work with. So the credit card companies say there's 20% interest or whatever, but it's actually more than that. I mean, the way they calculate your payments and your debt payment and things like that, it's your mortgages too, by the way, it's a different math. So if you can get it to a simple interest loan, you'll pay off more aggressively. You think about it, as we know, the rates keep going up and it really affects credit card loans. I mean, my home equity line has gone up from two and a half to six and a half. And your credit cards are going up too. And the problem becomes, especially with these credit card payments, you're paying just the monthly minimum, which means you're not getting anywhere. You're 20 years before you even touching everything. So I think you had mentioned, so a company was... There's probably 20 of them out there. They have a pretty good reputation. Goldman Sachs has one right now. If you have good credit, there's a whole bunch of them. Your local bank may do it. There's a lot of different ways. Interest rate should be between, like I said, 9 and 11 for a personal loan. And that's lower than almost every credit card available. And again, I don't want to get in the weeds, but simple interest means if it's 10% rate, means you pay 90% of principal and 10% interest every time you pay. That's way different than your credit card payment. It's way different than your mortgage payment. It's way different than even a home equity line payment. So basically, it's a personal loan and car loans are the only ones out there that 
work that way. It's efficient way of using what you're making and what you're saving. You have to qualify for it, but you also, once again, if you have five credit cards, don't just go close them all because that will affect credit yeah. scores, et cetera, right? Especially don't touch anything if you're thinking, oh, I'm paying off this debt to go buy a house. You better meet with your lender who says, okay, you can yeah. close this one. Don't touch this one. We're not saying go cancel them all at one time. That's bad. But yeah. we are saying the discipline to put them away to not charge them up again, or yeah. you can't go pay 30 off and in four months have 30 again, you've gotten nowhere. Don't do this if you're going to do what you just said, Marjorie, and that's you got 30,000, you paid it off, and now you owe 27,000 three months later, and then you've charged up 20 grand on credit cards again, because now you've got 47 instead of 30. I mean, don't do that. But if you have the discipline to put them away and live your life differently, then that will work. Agreed. So I think that's the key, right? And we all know emergencies come up. Emergency is a little different as well, but it's kind of those, how did that get on there this month? Like not paying attention to getting coffee every day, not paying attention to going out to dinner every night, those things that kind of add up that we're just yeah. gotten used to doing that are just become a habit versus something we're budgeting for, right? I mean, believe me, I'm a big coupon loft sale person, but that doesn't mean I got to go, right? Like the coupon, you still spent the money. So I think it's paying attention to those things. And one thing you said is don't use your equity line for this. Let's talk about that. There are certainly people who may advise differently, but I'm a big believer of one of your first goals is don't lose your house. And if we don't wrap up anything in home debt except home stuff, that's pretty unlikely. So if you've got a home equity line because you renovated your kitchen and added value to your home, fine, or added a sunroom, that's fine. But my advice is, even though it may be lower interest, I think it just puts things at risk that don't need to be at risk. So a personal and better idea. Or look, there are also right now credit card companies, if you're disciplined again, that'll offer you a $15,000 limit with 0% or 5% or 3% for 12 months. Again, that means discipline paying that off in that time. But there are ways that you can shift some of that from a 22, 28, 30% interest rate yep. to be able to pay more because you're not just hitting the minimum payment. So really it's talking to your financial advisor, right? And sitting down and saying, okay, I have this much in debt. If I do a personal loan or they have this credit card offer, my bank will do this. What's the best thing? And here's the structure. You got to pay this much per month. So if you haven't really worked on it yet or figured it out yet, having someone that's your accountability partner like you that says, yes, you do this. And this is what you need to do every month because we all have great intention, but not great discipline. So I think that's where it's have a plan, follow the plan. Now, again, we know stuff happens. 2008 happened. We didn't all intend for our incomes to go down 40% and values of homes to go down 50%. Like that wasn't the plan, right? There was an emergency, but I think the more we plan now that things are shifting, the better. So if we get to where we have virtually no debt and savings and 08 happens again, then we can survive it. Even if we had to go into a little bit of debt to do it. If we start in debt and 08 happens, we're all toast. Yeah. So agree. We got to get our heads out of the sand. Like we kind of are, I'll deal with it later. I don't want to deal with it now. I think I'll have a better month next month as a commission salesperson, or we're embarrassed. I, how could this happen? I make a great income. What's going on? How could I be so foolish? Look, get over it. It's like past this past. Today is today. Move forward and make a plan. Yeah. Meet with someone I mean, who knows more than you. Wherever you are, it's okay. Let's just get a plan to get out of it. I mean, yeah. if you're making a good living, then it can happen. But we all get stuck. I mean, people get stuck in these things all the time. Oh, no doubt. I can assure you. I've it's been there. Simple. It's Been just, there, done that. Yeah. So, okay, let's talk about now some savings. So now we're yeah. working our way through debt. We're working yeah. through savings. Earlier is better. Believe you me, I'm 51. It's time. You can be 30 and listening to this. More power to you. 
let's meet your financial advisor. You can be putting less away now for a longer period of time than as you're 50 that you got to put away more, but let's really look at some basics, bare minimum. You're saving bare minimum. What is that, Daniel? Bare minimum is 10% a month, a quarter, a year, however you get paid. And that's minimum because it takes a lot more money to retire at the lifestyle you want than you think. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit too. So 10 to 20%. 20% is great. 10 is minimum. Okay. And where am I putting this, Daniel? So depending on where you are in your business, there's all kinds of vehicles. There's as simple as a Roth IRA or a regular IRA, which is where you should start if you're not got anything and you're newer in your career. If you're further along and you make more money, then there are other retirement plans that are corporately owned that you can put as much as 20, 50 or $65,000 a year in it. And there are some others that are a little more unique that are more than that, depending on what you need. So get with your advisor, tell them what your goal is, and they should be able to put a plan together for you. None of them are cost prohibitive. All of the money is yours all the time. It's just put away for later. And they all have significant tax benefits. So when we're saving, like when we're saving money, we're trying to pay less taxes, which we all like to do. The first place to pay less taxes is to put money in an account that's still yours so that later on down the road, you get to keep it, but you got the tax break for putting it in. Yes. So like I said, somewhere between six and $65,000, you can defer from taxes until you don't get a paycheck anymore. It's pretty valuable. Yeah. And you can defer that six to 65. If someone's like, I'm in a great position, right? That I can do more than that. Well, good. Then we can send yeah. it to you and you can invest in the stock right. market. So you then you, you use the retirement plan first because you get the tax breaks, but there's others. If you've got college kids, you want to send to college, there's tax breaks for college plans. You can use those. If you're out of tax break plans, then you just invest in ways that you can use for whatever you want, whenever you want later, but you're still saving it and investing it in a way that will grow. Agreed. Um, down the road, including using it for leverage for buying other real estate. Yes. You know, Yay. So. Send them to me. Good job. Okay. So now let's talk about retirement, which is yeah. everyone's ultimate goal. So let's be clear, realtors as well. Sometimes you see people who didn't retire and they're still doing real estate way past probably what they want. Now, some people want to do it forever, but a lot of times it's just the planning wasn't there. And again, we aren't employees where we get paychecks at certain times and so much automatically goes into a plan. This is all controlled by us, right? This is our discipline and our planning. But let's really be clear on retirement because I think that also people don't really have a clue how much you get at at different amounts. So we're not here to guide people specifically. We're going to throw out a couple of numbers as examples, obviously depends on the market and return and so many things. But look, Social Security is something that we hope is going to be there and something you can bank on at least for a little bit. You should not plan your retirement on it, but it's a base, right? So Social Security, I think you can take, you said, reduced at 62, otherwise 65. You can get a really reduced amount at 62. Most people listening to this probably fully fund at 66 or 67, and then you can wait till you're 70 and it's higher. But for context... Today's maximum benefit's about $3,200 a month. If you waited till 70 and you made a really good living most of your life, that's as much as you can expect a year. So most people I work with aren't planning a retirement budget of $3,200 a month. That's where the savings for yourself comes in such in a massively way. Right. So we're just going to talk about a couple of basic numbers. So a lot of people, if I could just save a million dollars, which again, please, let's be clear, at a million dollars, you can spend, you said 4%. 
right a year? Yeah, the general rule of thumb, especially if you retire relatively early, meaning not 80, 4% means you have a really high probability of never meaningfully hitting your principal, which means you'll never run out of money. The catch in my profession is we can tell you how much money you can spend for sure if we knew when you would stop needing it, but we just yeah. don't know when you'll stop needing it. So Correct. 4% roughly. So in a million dollars, that's $40,000 a year pre-tax. So if it's coming out of your retirement plan, it's going to be taxes income. So what's that? 30 grand a year you're taking home. Now, if that's on top of three grand a month in social security, now you're at six. For some people that may be enough. Yeah. We start from what you want, not where you are. Yep. So if you tell me I need 10 grand a month when I retire, then we're going to try to tell you at the end how much money you need to be able to have 10 grand a month. But a million dollars is roughly $40,000 a year in income for the rest of your life. Yep. And 2 million is 80. Now there's some variables that might change that number a little, but that's a good rule of thumb. Yeah. And also, look, I'm 51. And if I want to retire at 65, if I can make it that long and still be nice to people, we'll see. That's 14 years. So I have 14 years to make up what I need to make up, which also means I'm a more linear thinker. It's like, how much should I save a month, right? Or a quarter. And then because as we all know, one quarter, yay, one quarter, not as good, right? So really it's what's my goal? Where do I want to be? But also I'm 51. So another goal is pay off the house by the time I'm 65. Yeah. Right. So yeah. it's really meeting with you and the lender guys and saying, okay, I have 14 years. How do I maximize? Here's what I owe. And it's right. not necessarily refining into a 15, especially right now. I'm not going to refi out of my very low rate, but I want to pay this off quicker. So an extra payment here, pay two payments a month. Like there's strategies to yeah. cut down on interest, which again is where I need to talk to you and my lender and say, guys, this is my goal. Right. I want to be paid off in 14 years. Now, again, it might not be possible. Maybe I can be mostly paid off. Right. I can really owe very little. But my goal would be if yeah. I can to have no house payment at 65. Right. So let's say you owe half a million dollars now on a house, not an unreasonable number in today's world, right? No matter how old you are and you want to have it paid for by the time you're 65, but it just isn't going to happen. So let's get it down as low as we can. And then at 64 and a half, you owe a hundred grand. Then we refinance, hopefully interest rates are reasonable to a 30 year fixed when you're 64. And now your house payment is a fraction of what it's been right. and it doesn't take a lot of income to pay it. Yeah. Right? I mean, because again, it's the income coming in. If I'm going to not have income coming in, it's what I'm sending out. So I need to have a lower right. house payment. I'm not then going to buy a $2,000 a month car payment, right? Unless I have a lot of money coming in right off my 4%, then I can do what I want, but right. we've got to really be reasonable. And we're going to end with downsizing. So Daniel, you know, when I'm 65, I'll downsize. What do you find as the expert? I hear it a lot. I don't actually see it. I see that they're going to downsize and then it costs 200 grand more than the house they're selling to downsize because no one wants to downsize for less than what they've been used to living in. Even if it's smaller, it's nicer or it's in a better neighborhood or it's got a gate in the front or it's on the golf course or the water. I mean, my wife and I have the same plan. We would retire to a smaller house, but it'll be lakefront. So I just added it up. It sounds reasonable. It's rarely executed. You're in real estate. You go look at really nice places all the time. No one picks out a crazy fixer upper that you're not going to fix her up as your downsize. I mean, they still want new countertops and bigger doorways and downstairs masters. So you have a bigger footprint. So it's more expensive. It's just all adds up to that way. Or maintenance, right? So I want maintenance yeah. free. That costs more money too. So I do think it's reasonable. Yeah. So I think that's the thing to think about too is, oh, well, I'll take all this money and I'm going to put it in the next house. Well, the next house isn't necessarily cheaper. So 
We tell clients all the time, like the pay off the house plan. If we can pay off the house and you want to move and you want to take what you sell your house for to a new one, fine. And if it means you have a little bit of a payment because you upgraded even your downsize, but it's inside of the budget we talked about from the beginning, fine. Paying that house off or getting really close makes those conversations possible. Yes. So it's planning, 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 planning. So ending with first, you know, your phrase, wherever you are, it's okay. It's time to fix it. It's true. And again, even if you think, well, I'm okay, but I need to do better or I'm not okay. I need to be okay. So it's time now to pay attention to it, to attack it because we're not getting younger, right? Like it would have been way easier at 35 and 51. So it's okay. And now is the time. I think is really the key. Like this is the time to really say, here's where I am and this is what I've got to do. And here are the steps I can take, whether it's going to take you a year or four. Look, I was in a ton of debt, took me four years to pay it off. This is not an overnight fix, but boy, do you sleep better when you see the plan, when you can see one card is paid off and you see momentum and you see that you're moving forward. And with someone like you, We can do that. So. Yeah. And you're right. Time is now in the A, if the younger, the better. But if you're a little bit less young, the stock market just backed up 25%. So you got a little bit of everything on sale. Real estate may be backing up a little bit. It's time because the economy is giving you an entry spot. Yep. All this stuff. That's awesome. Well, Daniel, thank you so much for joining me today on Real Estate Unscripted. Thank you all for listening to Real Estate Unscripted. And I will be in soon to give you some money. (laughs) I will look forward to it. Real Estate Unscripted is sponsored by Alcova Mortgage. Alcova is committed to simplifying the mortgage process. Check out the tools we offer to realtors and homebuyers at alcova.com slash realtors. Alcova Mortgage, equal housing lender, NMLS ID number 40508, NMLS Before we go, please show us some love by subscribing on your listening platform of choice and leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Make sure you share this with your friends and be sure to listen in next week. Until then, this is Marjorie Adam. Don't forget to check out the show notes for a recap. This podcast was made possible by listeners like you. Thank you so much for your support.